Last time on video night. Got a milkshake. Well, I'm gonna have a monster poop later. Michael Gwumpy, does he need a nap in his baba? I'm sorry! The prison of his own mind. I'm gonna eat your face! And now. Hey, Michael. How's it going? It's going all right. I hear things have been rough with you lately. Yeah. We don't need to get into it too much, but like, uh, maybe you want to go on a, yeah, a momentary safari adventure kind of jungle romp. Yeah, well, I mean, perhaps. I'm sure people have noticed that it's been a while since our last episode. We're pretty regular, you know? We take our fiber. Yeah. We take our video fiber. We stay regular. But I, I got pneumonia and other weird stuff happened over the last yeah, month. Yeah, there's so. a bit of a, a tornado surrounding you. Yeah. And metaphorically. Yeah. So, like, you've touched down now. You're okay. Yeah. Time to take a little you... vacation. This is a metaphorical vacation, but we're going to do a literal vacation. Yeah. Next week, I'm doing my first live episode of Video Night. Sadly, Whoa. you won't be with me, but it's going to be me and Jacob doing a live episode of the world premiere of Ready Player One. I am apprehensive because I'm not sure it's going to be good, but he bought tickets, so I'm like, all right, whatever. Okay, kid, I got to tell you. I, I object, object to that to being that on Video Night. Night. Whatever, it's your name too. But no! Well, the first that's a major tent pole pop. I know, I know, and, and we're well, we, we not... do tent poles every once in a while. You and I don't do them, but me and Jacob don't. I, I know, we, we separate. I know. We separate the show in three segments. Um, I'm voicing it now. Yeah, there's there's the trash cinema spinoff, which technically isn't video night, but that's where we talk about the really trashy movies that we know aren't good, but sometimes are fun or just flat out terrible. Then there's the core video night, but then me and Jacob will do like side episodes once in a while. That's more. Amazing. I know you'll do like let's explore the Indiana Jones series yeah. to which I'm like that's, that's not, not cool I know but it's it's you know some people want to hear the big stuff you know you gotta you gotta I know yeah, I know uh, you gotta know. throw out the big fish in order to get some of the people to pay attention I know it's like maybe this is like the first time I've ever addressed this yeah yeah that's all I'm saying that's all I'm saying so Spielberg's ready player one no I, I, is like, I wish that Napa had a, a smaller theater to show independence of oh I wanted to go see in Santa Rosa they're doing a cult or revival showing of In the Mouth of Madness and Lord of Illusions, oh. but we probably won't be able to get to that. Hmm. Okay. Besides, we've discussed one of those already on Video Night, and the other one we discussed last summer on uh, Trash Cinema. Not you and I, but yep. Jersey, so. I was mad, though, because I wanted to go see they were showing the thing with Dean Cundy as the special guest, and I was like, oh, I just missed it! Aww. Well, what are we talking about today? We're talking about jungle movies. I feel like I, we should have saved Club Dread, but, you know, sadly, we lost Bill Paxson last year, and that's one of my favorite performances and, of his, yeah. so. We already explored it. I love it. But what do we got? What's the... This is the one that I missed. Yeah, this is... That I never... Well, you and, I, you and I discussed, though, we were having a hard time choosing between island movies and jungle movies, but so many movies combine both. You know, they're hot... They're like high... Sorry. Oof, you snotted. You know, high adventure kind of movie. So, yeah, we'll probably do another episode down the road where we do, like, island-oriented films or, or high seas adventures or something. I don't know. But this is more jungle-oriented. Oh, my God. What is wrong with you? Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> All right, so our first pick is actually one that's very important to me. It was Hot Pursuit. If this girl asked you to join her in a tropical paradise, what would you do? Go with the flow. No, no. I think I saw Danny. He's on that phone. What wouldn't you do? John Cusack, Robert Loggia, Hot Pursuit. They call me Mr. Determined. Rated PG-13. It's not that great of a movie. Wait, you said this is important to you. Yes. Why is this important to you? When I was a kid, we were very poor. We couldn't afford cable. Yes, we rented movies, but 
I feel like well, this is hard to explain, but the only time we ever really went to the movies was the drive-in because we got free tickets from my dad's job. There were like incentives when he worked for the newspaper. Okay. He was like uh, the head of a district, so they give him bonuses. Though knowing my father now, he probably stole those. Um, <laughs> so it, it was a little harder to see new movies, and, and I didn't really get to go like choose them on my own like I did you know, when I got to be a teenager, just walking to the video store. My grandfather would tape movies off HBO, right. and one of the very first tapes he gave us and it, it's, it has to be coincidental unless they had some sort of marathon or all like kind of beach island jungle themed movies it was hot pursuit back to the beach and revenge of the nerds 2 on one tape which i watched until it broke <laughs> huh. yeah i remember when those were on except yeah. i never watched hot pursuit never seen it before this is never. your first viewing wow yeah yeah. You're a Cusack fan too, aren't you? Uh, not a super fan. I like some of his work. I like, I suppose, a good portion of his catalog. But what I really like of his is gross point blank. But, you know. The first decade of his career is infinitely more entertaining than the second and third. You know, you look at it, they had a very particular attitude with some of them. He, he kind of like a punk rock feel. He was like the anti Pack. Yeah, he never seemed to be pigeonholed into that group, even though he came up within that group, which is strange. Yeah, I think his first movie was uh, Class with uh, two of the Brat Packers, Andrew McCarthy and um, Rob Lowe. Yeah, and all the little bit parts. Actually, he was a bit player for a long time. Yeah, 16 Candles, I think he's one of yeah. uh, Anthony Michael Hall's. But 85 is when he kind of broke out with the sure thing, and then it was Better Off Dead, One Crazy Summer. Oh, well, of course, Better Off Dead. You and I both, we love that movie to pieces. But Hot Pursuit, I never saw it, even though I did also, for a while, I did really like Ben Stiller movies, and I know that this is Ben Stiller's first appearance. Really? I, I didn't realize that this was his very first. He had never done anything before? No. Wow, that's amazing. Because he would do this movie. and Empire of the Sun in the same year. Both dramatic roles. Huh. Yeah. You can't, I kind of miss when, when he would do dramatic stuff. He's been doing it lately, I guess. But Well, he's back, know, yeah. Well, once but... he did Permanent Midnight, I think that was like his final. It's kind of the way it was with uh, Owen Wilson and The Minus Man. Those are like really testing the waters on a different genre for them. But then they have a big hit afterwards, and then that's what they just do. They just go for the paycheck, not so much for the quality of the role. Right. And that's what depresses me about John Cusack. If you look at him now, he's clearly phoning it in. I mean, I feel like half the movies he does now, he wears shades and a hat like he's embarrassed to be in the movies. <laughs> like he's, he's just incognito. Yeah. This he plays that kid that he kind of always plays. The I, You know, he doesn't... He's really... He's playing Martin Blank in Gross Point Blank, except like an alternate version of him. Well, like the version a, that doesn't flounder and go into the military and find that he has a proclivity to kill people. Right. Well, <laughs> the, the Gross Point blank versions seem to be more controlled emotionally i feel it's more like high fidelity where he there's a there's a slight madness in how john cusack approaches his roles and i almost wonder if that's part of him like in, in real life that there's a kind of not like a scary madness but like just something well actually to tell you the truth they were asking danny trejo in an interview who was the scariest person that he worked with on con air and he said john cusack do not look him in the eyes what? he'll burn a hole through you Oh my goodness. <laughs> Danny Trejo is such a Well, no, I, can, I, can, I think I can get that. I think I understand that. Like, by that time, though he took that job for a paycheck, Con Air, he, I suppose, may have been just like, I'm only here to work. Yeah, you know? but Hot Pursuit is fairly early on when he still had that kind of, that energy, like youthful just excitement to do something different. He had been doing almost all comedies at that point. And, and yes, uh, Hot Pursuit has a comedic edge to it, but as yeah, it is a comedy, dude. It's yeah, an but as comedy, it keeps or, going on, it slowly evolves into more of a high adventure with comedy, not not a comedy with action. It's 
And then the end is actually pretty serious. I, I didn't dislike it when I watched it. You know how, like, when we re revisit older films or, like, I see them for the first time and it missed me. Now I watch it and I'm like, well, what's the big deal? Yeah. Well, no, this one doesn't have, uh, it still is a big deal. It just doesn't bother me. Well, it's the reason I think... It's good. It's, it's not boring because... I like movies that kind of break up stories. It's kind of like a road movie. It's, you know, it's just a road trip, but... It's, it is, but it's all, like, not on the road. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> right? it's, it's planes, trains, and automobiles in a way as well. So he has to find his girlfriend on an island. Basically, he misses the flight out for a vacation with his girlfriend and her family because he's being held back for a certain failure at a test. Is he in college or high school? I, I can't tell. I believe it's high school, but I believe it's he's like a senior or something, and it's a prep school. Okay, because it's, it's hard to tell college. sometimes because yeah. prep, school, prep schools have that same kind of vibe as colleges sometimes, especially the buildings. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a boarding school. Okay. So he, he misses it, and he basically spends the entire movie trying to track her down, but, you know, and it's comic and misadventures on his part, but her story is the one that goes from innocent vacation to slowly becoming, like, this burn of menacing behavior from Ben Stiller and, and his father. Basically, they're people... They're basically, they're pirates. Yeah, they're pirates, and then they, they kill and steal the ships and stuff like that, and that's a slow, like, reveal. If you haven't seen the movie, uh, sorry for screwing it up for you, <laughs> but I think it's highly entertaining in the adventures that it creates for him. I don't feel like any of it's been done before or after it, it feels even today a little fresh david keith is in it love david keith he's an ally to the kid and at first there's some kind of uh, classism at least maybe racism but definitely classism or get, get away from my daughter don't talk to us when david keith shows up and is like hey i think i know you're the kid that's looking for you guys he, he can't even get a word right, out right right because of the classism thing because her parents are very affluent yeah. that's why they oh it's the, the monty markham trip. is one of those glue guys you know the guys that always play good supporting characters but he's really good at playing like the stuffy uppity kind of professional guy yeah and here he plays you know affluent dad and so when david keith and his two pals help the kid those scenes are i think my favorite scenes i think it's funny is where well, they, he, throw, he teaches them how to throw the machete the correct way and you don't think like, I guess it's because we know we know movies now that usually pays off later. But I remember as a kid going, oh my god, they left that seed like an hour ago and it pays off now. That's insane. I've never heard of that. <laughs> but I, you know, I was also 11 at the time I saw it. Yeah, that's called Chekhov's Gun, by the way. What does that mean? Anton Chekhov was a Russian playwright and he wrote a bunch of plays that when he introduces a thing like the machete, you better use it at the end. It's in the background on the wall. You better use it. And so that's like now it's the rule of three or something you show it in somebody's hand and then they put it down and then you show it on the table later and then the big tussle at the end somebody grabs it and use yeah. it. It stems back from Chekhov's gun. It's a setup reminder payoff. Yeah. The movie adds Robert Loja about halfway through and it's so weird. I feel like Robert Loja was in everything during this era, but if you look at his IMDb, he, no, it wasn't. I just don't know why. I feel like I've just seen so many movies with him, but he really wasn't in that much. Yeah, Robert Loja is interesting because he's got a very present kind of way about He's him. always he's yelling, Robert. I'm Robert Loja. Right. <laughs> he's really abrasive, but in here, he's actually not very abrasive, except for when he gets drunk and yells at him on the boat, reprimanding him. I'm just thinking, I hate Family Guy, but there was a the real Really funny bit that they threw on the show where they introduced Robert Loja and he's like, uh, yeah, Robert Loja, like, uh, R as in Robert Loja, O as in, oh, there's Robert Loja, B, boy, I love Robert Loja, and he goes through his whole, the whole name. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's like the only funny thing for Family Guy. I hate that show. Yeah, I hate the show too. That's why I'm not laughing. Oh, I'm sorry. I just thought it was funny. I'm a stick in the mud regarding. Yeah, I feel like the Family I feel like Robert Loja disappeared though around the early '90s. Like, um, what's the vampire movie that he was in as a villain? Innocent, Innocent Blood. Blood. Yeah, I feel like that was like the capper to that era of seeing Robert Loja all over the place. No, sir. Lost Highway. Lost Highway. What was he in Independence 1997. Day? 1997. Is he in Independence Day? What? Like a general? I don't. Maybe he was in Independence Day, but 1997, Lost Highway. Yeah. David Lynch. And, I don't get David Lynch uh, movies. He plays, I just don't. I've tried so many times, and uh, I yeah. just yeah. You they're, love them. I can't get it. I love them. Yeah. yeah, it's it's difficult. I they're even difficult for me, but I I enjoy difficult half the time. The other half of the time, if it's difficult, it's usually a copy of something David Lynch has done or informed by, and they're not really hitting the mark because, as in quote in Art School Confidential, Malkovich says it's okay. Let's not judge him too harsh because he's doing something that's impossible, which is trying to sing in his voice with somebody else's vocal cords, which is how a lot of people in film do regarding David Lynch's stuff, if they want to make something surreal or strange. So the other half of the time is what I'm saying. I'm like, I don't I don't have patience for this. I'm like you. Yeah. I'm absolutely like you because I start noticing that they're just aping, that they're just sing, trying to sing with his vocal cords, but in their own voice. It doesn't and work. speaking of directors, Steven Leisberger directs this, and it was his first film in five years because he had done Tron. Now, he's a guy who's technically proficient, but he has no style. Like, there's nothing that he is trying to do. Oh, yeah, you're right. Nothing uh, artistic. What's the other one? Slipstream. Slipstream, yeah. Slipstream. Also, banal is all get out visually. Just blah. Yeah, it's just like, it's an interesting story, and I've actually enjoyed it more as I get older, but he does not have any real tone or style that he brings to it. He's just like a worksman. Yeah, but Tron, hey, way to go. Tron was great. No, I love Tron. I hate it when people go, oh, the special effects are so terrible. I'm like, 1982, stupid. 1982. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I do appreciate this flick. It's fine. It's it's not a bad start to the list. Further on, we get into the 90s. Yeah, the late 90s. Well, no, I thought it was 2000. I thought 2000 February is our next film, and one that I actually despised the first time I saw it, and I feel different about it now. But the first hour really drags, and I was getting bored. I was on my phone a lot, and then the second hour kicks in. I'm like, oh, 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 this is good. This is really great. Well, you're right about 2000. It's the beach. One kilometer. Two. Richard. I don't know. I'm American. Thinking miles, not kilometers. Okay, so how many miles do you think it is? If we don't try them, we'll never know, right? You hope and you dream, but you never believe that something's gonna happen for you. A man dies, leaves you the mystery map to the secret island, and your life is different. Won't ever be the same again. Why I say into the 90s is because the book was written in gotcha. the 90s. So here's the deal. Danny Boyle, one of my favorite directors, his first chunk of movies are superb to me. A Life Less Ordinary uh, so. was so good, and I think it's all been downhill for there. And I know that's wrong. It's uh, wrong. I'm not a Danny Boyle. Yeah, it's wrong. I'm not it's, a Danny Boyle not... fan. Like, there's certain directors I don't like. You, you, the funny thing is, I think we work together well because I'm more of the meat and potatoes kind of guy, and you're more of the like the edge of what's coming next. Like yeah. the next coming yeah. thing. So I love Train Spotting. I really, really liked 
Shallow Grave. I saw. Oh, that that's good. Cable. I forgot he directed that. I really like Shallow Grave. Yeah, I saw that on cable, and I was like, whoa, whoa, neat. And then Train Spotting. I was like, holy, what is this? This is a revelation. I think I gave up after Sunshine, which I know you dug, and I just couldn't get into. I was just like, oh. well, no, I understand why you wouldn't dig it. It's kind of boring. But the beach was supposed to be a Ewan McGregor film. Oh, I think I would have liked it better. You absolutely love it now. Because your mind goes, Ewan McGregor, wait, he did the first three movies. Right, and, and he seems like he's appropriately cast. And then he's supposed to be that kid. You can now imagine the movie with him in it, instead of Leonardo DiCaprio. Excuse me, DiCaprio. And it's just an infinitely better movie because you imagine Ewan McGregor in it. Is Leonardo DiCaprio mad at something that I'm not knowing? Like, I feel like he's always angry, and I don't know why. Even when he's supposed to be something, you know, someone congenial and kind, you're like, nah, I can still see the rage underneath it. It's like Christian Bale, I can just feel it. Ewan McGregor, I could buy him as, he seems like a guy who doesn't have a chip on his shoulder. Ewan McGregor has a kind of, uh, I don't want to say wanderlust, but he's got this this wonder there was this uh, series that he did where he and his buddy drove all around the world on their motorcycles they drove across china into tibet and all this stuff on their motorcycles and he has just this like exploratory urge sometimes and that's what this movie needed and you didn't get that with leonardo dicaprio you did get the crappy american kid who's just like interested right in did, did the studio things, demand just it on paper is that what it was yes okay Yes, and it put a rift between Ewan McGregor and Danny Boyle because he was supposed to be in the movie. He I don't get it though. He was character. he was hot after Star Wars. So how did Fox just go? Let's see. Ewan McGregor probably cost us a million dollars, and he's hot off Phantom Menace. Or do we cast Leonardo DiCaprio? It cost you twenty million dollars. I think he was a life less ordinary, yeah. sir. You said you love it. I haven't seen it in a long time though. I gotta see it again. Yeah. I like it a lot. Just think Cameron Diaz is the weakest link, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I really like the movie. It's a strange, farce, fantastical, magical realism flick, and I love it. But it did nothing box office. No, no, here. I remember it was a huge flop. So, Danny Boyle, Ewan McGregor, that must be the problem. Let's split them up. We want Leo. And, and I think the hype post-Titanic, because this is his first leading role that he chose, after Titanic and, and there's so much pressure on the movie to be a massive hit and they should have known when they saw the dailies that it was going to be a different film and they sold then, it as some yeah. like some exciting adventure where teens are just gonna be oh it's a, it's a wild romp I mean it's not that movie no it's not a romp it's, it's, it's a, a drama yeah it's watching it's a, a teenager go from innocent to losing his mind and the ramifications from you know the secret island well, that's supposed to be so special. It's about this kid who has wanderlust, right? So he goes and visits, where where was it? Like the Southeast Asia, the islands and all that. Right. So he goes and visits that and then he hears about this one island from this crazy guy played by Robert Carlyle. His name is Daffy because he's crazy, <laughs> but he is crazy and he ends up killing himself, but he leaves a map to this island. And so the dumb kid shares the map with two other people, but then makes it, makes it off into the island. And then the adventure happens. There's a commune of people on that island. There's also drug growers on that island. The drug growers have a small army armed. They don't interfere with the islanders. The islanders don't interfere with the drug growers, except they kind of do. So this is misrepresentation in the trailer and all that stuff. There's certain kind of adventure beats that are prominent and make, I, trailers are just so dumb. Yeah, 
I hate it when they, they talk sell about a movie this all that, the time. That's not what you're getting. Like I, when they take a tonal shift in the trailer, and you're like, "That wasn't. This isn't funny at all. Why? Why they sell this as a comedy?" Drive is not Fast and Furious, though it was presented. Oh, I remember that being a huge like. People were like, "The movie's terrible. Wasn't anything like Fast and Furious." I'm like, "Good." Yeah, trailers misrepresent. So the American market always needs. Here's an here's another example. Train spotting. Train spotting in America. The trailer was like, "It's a dodgiest scams. Dodgiest scams." We're gonna pull this heist. We're gonna rob this or steal that or do something with this heroin and it's uh, it's about criminals and crime. But it's really not. No. That's like the last 15 minutes of the movie. And there's not an incredible amount of setup for that. It's just a part of the story that's minor. But pull that part out because that's the exciting thing that American audiences will bite at. Okay, fine. And so that's what they do with this. The beach is confrontational on, on many. It confronts the whole BS of wanderlust. You know, you know how the wanderlusters are just like now it's Instagram wanderlusters. They post their things on Instagram and it's all filtered and whatever and it's follow me to this magical island. It's all fantasy. This movie confronts the fantasy. Yeah. And as you say, he ends up kind of losing his mind, which is at the time my favorite part of the movie because uh, the song is from Blur. It's called On Your Own. It's a remix. And he imagines himself in a video game. And I can't help but imagine it now, what they would do with it post Scott Pilgrim. Oh, right, right. It would look so much better. Here they they pixelate things, but it's not that great looking. The shark attack is the yes. most, it's so unbelievably realistic looking. I mean, I've never seen a shark attack myself, but the gore is just oh, I, astonishing how good that looks. I mean, good. And this leads to the insanity of the whole <laughs> yeah. thing. This leads to the insanity and the, the breaking up of the beach, the island. This guy, the Scandinavian guy, he gets killed, but he slowly dies. He doesn't die immediately. He slowly dies. He's got a bite in his leg. They have to get him antibiotics. They have to do all this stuff, but they don't have anything because they're stupid people living off the grid, living in a fantasy world. Yeah. But stylistically, the film is, is really fantastic. It's really good. Yeah, definitely. I like how it looks. Speaking of Club Dread, by the way, you know the B-roll island footage of Club Dread when they're flying over at the beginning of the film? Yeah? Same island. No kidding. No kidding. Huh. This is embarrassing because we try to act like, I, I guess I've been straight up about my meat potatoes Indiana background, but when I think of island music, I just think about how like, oh, yeah, Jimmy Buffett's got it made. People go to him. He doesn't go on tour, you know? <laughs> I think every once in a while I heard America, but like everybody goes to him. I'm like, that's friggin' perfect. He makes all this money, he basically owns that island. And he's just like, well, I don't want to perform today. I'm just going to sit on the beach and drink Mai Tais and, you know, <laughs> eat a cheeseburger in paradise. Like, people uh, mock Jimmy Buffett, but Jimmy Buffett knew exactly what he was doing. He had a plan and he went through it. Nah, maybe. I don't know. I mock him. I know people people hate Jimmy Buffett, but I, yeah, I actually, I'm, I'm not into I, I, I'm almost a parrot head. I seriously, I even have Jimmy Buffett merch somewhere around here. Yeah, yeah, I know. You actually confessed to. Being I went a to Margaritaville head. when I was in Vegas, and I bought clothing and a hat. I think. <laughs> You're so weird. I, I'm so I'm so 
mainstream, it's pathetic. <laughs> it's not just mainstream, you're mainstream weird. Yeah. You're also weird at the same time. Yeah, I mean, my, my room, I have little tiki bar stuff everywhere. Hey, look, I, I, I actually, two years ago, I got a, on a tiki kick. And then George, first honeymoon, went to Hawaii and got a tiki made. Either got it made or got it engraved, but it says Jemetsko on the back of it. Nice. Actual, actual Hawaiian wood and all that, so... Yeah, I, I appreciate that sort of thing because I was on a tiki kick and I started like drawing uh, alien and predator as tiki yeah. idols, you know. Well, my favorite episode of Brady Bunch is the Vincent Price cursed tiki. Have they made a horror yeah. movie about a tiki god? I am the mighty beach house tiki god. <laughs> Gosh. Anyway, so this uh, the beach. Uh, you like it more now? Oh, definitely. Do you like it more now that you know that it should have been? Um, or in my head, it? from now on, yeah. I'm going to ignore Leonardo DiCaprio and cast Ewan McGregor. When he talks, I just imagine Ewan McGregor's talking. And it's so much better. Ewan McGregor is probably the most underrated actor in the world. And it drives me nuts that he stars in these big movies and every single last one of them is a huge flop in America. Always does well internationally, though. Well, over here he did get some acclaim on the Golden Globes for playing two dudes, twins. That's right, Fargo. Fargo. I love so, Fargo. That show's great. He, but um, he's, he he's was striking. He's striking the iron again, you know. But there's maybe two good Michael Bay movies, and one of them's The Island, which we thought right. about doing for this episode, but we'll save it for another time. Because mm -hmm. Island, you know, it's not quite the same. Right. The third movie we're going to discuss is The Rundown. One job. I wipe your slate clean. You walk out of this house a free man. How much? 250 large. No problem. He's come to the other side of the world. Is that duct tape? To finish one last job. I'm looking for a man. His name's Travis Walker. Brown hair, face like a weasel. Do I know you? I'm taking you home, Travis. What's in Los Angeles? Your father. So angry! Shut up. If only it were that simple. Apparently, he stumbled onto a trinket of some value in my jungle. Yep. I want it back. Wow. Whatever my father's paying you, I will double it. No. I'll quadruple it. No. I'll double it and quadruple it. Hell no. I hope you enjoy the fall. Now what fall? Let's go. Heads up. I want hunting parties. Find them. Find them! I do not want to fight you. We are not fighting. Okay, hip-hop. Don't worry, they're little people. What? You could take them, they're little. <laughs> guys fight hard. I swallow cows. The Rundown. You got the moves. I'll give you that. Welcome to the jungle! But yeah, welcome to the jungle, which is weird now that Jumanji's also called Welcome to the Jungle. <laughs> he likes those Starring jungle movies, doesn't he? He's got that. He's got Mysterious yeah. Island. He's got Rampage coming up, which is a mixture of jungle and city. He loves those jungle movies and those white so, t-shirts. Some I hate memes. I can't stand them. But somebody posted a meme, which was just three photos from three different movies, and it said these are three different films. But they look like they're three different photos of the same scene. And it's The Rock wearing a khaki shirt. Yeah. We discussed this briefly, me and Chad Law, where we're comparing movies that were similar, like really similar. Hmm. We discussed the rundown with Gunmen, which I also thought about doing on this episode, but that was mm -hmm. kind of covered. We covered that more than the rundown on the last one, but they, they are very similar in 
the basic plot. I didn't know that. But I do really, really, really like the rundown. Now, have you seen Gunman? The way you said that, it sounded like you've never seen it. I have seen it. Okay. But um, it's it's one of those... Gone and forgotten. Yeah, on, on, on cable sort of things, and it's just in my eyes, out my brain. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, much lower budget, barely released by Dimension, who delayed it forever. So it's there's a reason why it's forgotten, and it's, you know, the DVD has been cast aside. Rundown is one of those that was promoted heavily because uh, they were hoping for, you know, to build upon The Scorpion King, which was a big international success. And didn't do too bad in America. But the rundown, they spent way more money and they pushed it hard. And it didn't make its money back. It did okay, if you consider international. But it was TV and video where it became like a friggin' phenomenon. Which, it's, it's funny that Universal Studios is known for doing direct-to-video sequels. And they've never bothered to do a lower-end knockoff, like a, a, a rundown too. Yeah, in name only, probably. Right, well, you probably John William Scott, honestly. At this point, you could probably afford him. So the movie starts with our main character, who is an aspiring chef, entering the nightclub. And passing him is Schwarzenegger. And our main character is The Rock. Passing him is Schwarzenegger, who says, Have fun, or something like that. And it's a nod and a wink. As if Schwarzenegger was passing a baton. This is a fact. I don't know if you've... Yeah, no, I knew that. And I always thought that was pretty cool because when you look at the two guys that were competing against each other in the 90s, it was always... Or the 80s, it was always Arnold versus Sly. But Arnold yeah. always seems like he was cool. It was just for fun. Whereas Sylvester Stallone seems like he has a serious ego problem. And maybe he's chilled out as he's gotten older, but Arnold is always like, hey, whoever wants to join the party, I'm cool with that. You know, he's always welcoming of, you know, quotation marks, competition. And I think he was more than happy to hand the baton to uh, Dwayne Johnson. And this is when he was governor, right? Like he had just got elected? Just before or so. He was just welcoming the next generation. I was like, that's a cool thing to do. Yeah, that was like, it's like a little nod. And also in a kind of a way, a little bit of a groaner too. It's like, ah, really? Yeah, well, he's known for those though. I guess. Like, you know, you're like, I guess. There's not too much of a problem with it. But at the time, I was like, all right, fine. He doesn't need your approval, old man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I thought it was, I thought it was kind of cool. He was just like, "Hey, you got this party now. You know, I'm out." He need- he needed my approval, and he got it in this film. Yeah. So he's commissioned. He's just a, a guy who's a muscle. He, he gets things back for his bosses or whatever. And his big boss is his son is down in South America, and he wants to retrieve his son because his son owes a lot of money to somebody else. That's it. That's the, the MacGuffin, really. There's two motivators. That's the first motivator. The second motivator is finding this golden idol, Indiana Jones sort of thing, uh, so that he can sell it and use all that money to free a bunch of people type of thing because of slavery i looked stuff up about this dude Mm -hmm. you look at that depiction of the gold mine that they have and it looks fantastical it looks too unreal it looks how could this actually even be this is just an exaggeration of some sort of like fact that they blew up to be billion times larger so huge no this is really kind of accurate to an actual gold mine down in south america that was called hell as well. This well, movie was supposed to be also called Hell Dorado. Yeah. Well, I've noticed that most of the times when they do those interior shots, they're unrealistically large because they got to fit the lighting in, the cameras, and they never really think about, hey, why don't you just put that on the outside of the set? You know what I mean? Like reflecting in, like make holes for it. 
It always seems like they're trying to make room for everything, and then it doesn't look real. It drives me crazy when they do that with houses and stuff like that. It's like, this guy's supposed to be poor? Why is this insanely, you know, large? This is a huge apartment in New York. <laughs> right. The light years in his acting ability from Scorpion King and Rundown is amazing. Oh, heck yeah. But like, then, if you school. look... He went to school. Yeah, but you also look at the difference between him and this movie, and then look at him six months later in Walking Tall, you can still see him acting in the Rundown. He's doing a lot of, like, over movement of his face, you know, acting oh, right. with his eyebrows. You see it here and there, especially in the beginning. But once Walking Tall came out, I think he was solidified on how he... Like, he's just naturalistic by that point. You don't see him yeah. acting... And I think what was problem with the rundown is he's still trying to, I think what he's trying to do is show that he can act. The problem is when you do that is you're obviously acting. It's like he was trying to mm -hmm. do the exact opposite of everything he learned in uh, the wrestling world, where it's very big, in your face, there's no subtlety whatsoever. The wrestling is theater. Yeah. It has to be read from afar. Here, he's, he's doing some of that big wide stuff, even just with dialogue delivery. And you're right. You're right. It does come off actor. Well, it, it, and it's uh, also that he was trying to separate himself from the other wrestlers who have gone into acting. And for the most part, with the exception of maybe Hulk Hogan, most wrestlers that go into acting have like stone face. They have Charles Bronson face, which... Or they just have their muscle and they, they're not there for anything other than an action scene. Yeah. You know, Dave Bautista has actually surprised me. He's not that bad. No, he's doing all right. Yeah. But I don't he think he's... He slummed it a couple times on straight to video direct. Yeah, but yeah. That's... But... It's in that world. You only have so much time to cash in because, if, especially if you're a physical commodity and you're not an acting commodity. But Dwayne Johnson has successfully. I mean, it got dangerous for a while there. You know, like when he was doing Faster, because that movie bombed pretty hard and Tooth Fairy. But you got to. I really liked Faster. We talked about yeah, Faster. Yeah, you got to give him guts for shows. trying stuff that may have destroyed his career, like doing Doom and stuff like that. Or, or like what was it? <laughs> Doom. Okay, Doom. I'm gonna say his acting slipped back. Oh to yeah, that was that was garbage. Doom. Complete. It garbage. was the was worst. worst. But when he does stuff like Gridiron Gang, or he does the Game Plan, or what was the one uh, Southland Tales, and even yeah. um, when he played a gay rodeo cowboy singer in Be Cool, these are <laughs> these are choices that could have destroyed his career. And he's like, I just need to do something different. I can't do what all the big behemoth dudes do. Right. But what I'm and worried about now great. is that he's gone back into this mode where he's just taking the biggest paycheck, the biggest movie. And they're not, I guess you only have so much of a window where you can do these kind of movies. But a lot of but, his movies but, but are in he's danger. He's also got his TV show That's, on HBO. Yeah, which is terrible. I hate that show. I tried. I don't it. watch it, yeah. but I'm saying he's doing, it's not the same thing. Yeah, but his agent. movies are starting to look all the same. Big, massive event movies. Skyscraper, San Andreas, Rampage. They all seem, and then the same thing, you know, Jumanji. They're all starting to seem like the same movie, which... Well, he wears the same shirt, and yeah, he stands and in front of the it, same jungle it, in each yeah, one. Yeah, and he's really just getting close to that line where people are going to get sick of him. He needs to keep doing stuff. I know Baywatch bombed, but it was different. You know, Central Intelligence was a big hit. You know, so he needs to keep mixing it up, not just these big event movies. Like, do smaller budget comedies and stuff like that. Maybe do some Would more you like dramas. to see a return to Rundown with him? If it was financially feasible, yeah. But, no, you know what, no. Uh, the Rundown is a one and done for me. I mean, I would watch another adventure uh, in the jungle. But I, unless they explore more of the chef side, which is the most interesting part for me, is that he was reluctantly doing these jobs. That he just yeah. wanted the money to open a restaurant. That he was more, you know, wanted a peaceful, quiet life. That part was the most interesting. And I also like the fact that he doesn't like guns. 
you know, as I've gotten yes. older, I think we discussed this before that I'm having, I'm starting to have a huge problem with guns, especially since I feel a little guilty that in the 90s that I was, you know, I was reading gun magazines, I was going to the library, grabbing gun books. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was fascinated because of like John Woo movies. I was like, oh, what kind of gun does he have? And he's flying around like the fetishizing wow. of guns that happened in the late 80s, Speaking early 90s. Speaking of another jungle movie and guns, Predator, John McTiernan didn't want to do so much gun work. Yeah. And Joel the Silver. studio insisted. Yeah. Yeah. You got to do it. You got to do guns. Everybody loves guns. So he made the guns ineffective. Yeah. And he made, he's like, here, you want guns? They're just going to be shooting at a jungle for five minutes straight. Look, they're shooting at a jungle and they're screaming. Isn't that macho? And it's actually a very subversive, satirical scene. And then, like, a guy gets his arm blown off. Another guy gets a hole blown open in his chest. Their guns are totally ineffective. Right. You know, McTiernan is really underrated director, and it's really a shame that he screwed up his career being involved in that, what was that, Pelicano? Wiretapping. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So at that time, he had the foresight to just like be like completely subversive about it. And all of us, uh, when we're younger, we watch Predator and we're like, this is so badass. Look at that gun. And it doesn't dawn on us until later that that gun doesn't do anything against the villain. Right. Peter Berg is the director of The Rundown. And when I heard about it, I was actually quite surprised because I think at that point, he had only ever done some TV very and bad very bad things. things. And very bad things. Which I hated. Yeah, I hated that movie. It was very. Nihilistic. I don't. Yeah, nihilistic. I was gonna say it's not subversive. It's nihilistic, and it, it was basically the end of Christian Slater's career. Which you know me, I love Christian Slater, and it was always kind of heartbreaking to watch that be his like final bow as a lead in a studio film. Yeah. Peter Berg. I was a little concerned when I heard about. it. I was like, this is like a really big budget movie. Is this gonna be any good or whatever? And I think he finds yeah. a fun tone what, with this. What the heck happened? Which, like he has all this style in it. Yeah, and and he never does it again. I mean, there's a little bit of the style in... What's that one with Jamie Foxx and Jennifer Garner? Kingdom? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's yeah, that yeah. frenetic style, the way he has the action. And it's not shaky cam. See, that's the thing a lot of directors do now, which drives me nuts, especially lower-budget movies. They're doing the Save It Private Ryan shaky cam realistic, and that's not exciting for anybody. It just makes us nauseous. It just makes it look like it's more lower-budget than it should be. It's like, oh, you just need to make it look like there's more going on, like you have three cameras. It's a cinema verite thing. It's, it's like when blood gets on the camera lens. Yeah. Ooh, blood's on the camera yeah. lens. Splash, I, I hate... Don't, don't I, do I don't want to be taken out of the movie by, you know, I, and I hate shaky cam. But what he does, and I think there is a little bit of, like, speeding up the film, you know, with a frames per second, but it's not jarring. Like, the way they do with, like, a black mask. Not black mask. What's the one with, um... I don't know why I'm sniffing so much. Sorry, I'm not... Iron Monkey. Iron Monkey pissed me off because Donnie Yen is, like, the greatest martial artist and they're speeding up his action. I'm like, no, it's already amazing. Stop it. So it's not that, because that sequence with Ernie Rise, who I hadn't seen in like a decade, and I haven't seen since, but he he's really beefed up in this movie, and uh, yeah. the action sequence is really great. And er Ernie Rise Jr. Here's how I view the movie. Sidekicks, um, kid. Daffy Duck and Bugs Bunny go on an adventure in the jungle. That's basically what it is. That It's that attitude, this like cartoony style mixed in with and, and it balances out because there is a serious subplot you know about the slavery and stuff like that it works and i don't know why it works i don't know how he got that tonal balance yeah it's it's strange i don't like to say this but movies like this don't get made anymore no it's really hard if they do their low budget they go like to netflix or something like that yeah and they're not they don't have the scope this movie actually successfully grabbed the scope even though it's awkward looking and weird and i 
was like, is that really real, the the mine? But yes, that's based on reality. Yeah. So now this movie- It's also something foreign to us seeing a mine like that. I don't want to say that the movie is a ripoff gunman. That's not what I'm saying. It's just kind of like a similar plot. Yeah. What I was going to say is, though, this is still an original idea. And, and the problem I think that's crippling Hollywood right now is nostalgia. Everything is an homage to something else, like either deliberate, like the way Stranger Things is, or it's just like, well, they don't make movies like this anymore. We're going to do this kind of movie. Or it's a property from your childhood that they're either remaking or they're adapting for the first time. And we're crippled by nostalgia right now. And it's, it's getting really irritating. And I would just think that the rundown was like, oh, this is a fresh idea and it's it's strange that they released it in September the end of September yeah, which is a wasteland is. this is a summer movie yeah it is I have a gripe though I saw the trailer and the trailer had a scene in it that was cut from the film and they always do this everybody does yeah. this but it seemed like it would have been an awesome scene it was John Grease versus I believe it's Sean William Scott and you know the the whip scene where the guys like whipping chairs out of the yeah 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 out of the air that was the setup for this final fight scene so it was two dudes with whips john grease and this other guy fighting with one of the other guys or maybe both of them i don't know it's a deleted scene and it's not in the film and i was totally bummed because it's not anywhere i looked i looked at the international version it's not in that one it's not yeah. in any version we should mention that the international version is called welcome to the jungle i wonder yeah. why they changed the name for america i don't know no clue I don't, I don't have an answer for yeah. that. The final film is The Perfect Getaway. Now, wow. hike the rainforest. Y'all coming in or what? Swim the waters <laughs> and run for your life. Someone on this trail is a killer. There could be anybody. A Perfect Getaway is the best thriller in years. Keep his eye out here every year. What's everybody looking at? We got us a shadow. With a shocking ending <laughs> that will blow you away. Where are you? A perfect getaway. Rated R. Now playing. Which is a movie that I remember enjoying the first time I watched it. I, I saw it as soon as it hit video. But I had completely forgotten, except yes! for a certain switch in the film. Oh, and but, I was like, but oh, then, I like, that. how does the switch happen, remember? Yeah. Like, it's not, the, it's not bad like the game. It's still immensely watchable. I love this movie. Who did this perfect game? Is getaway it is... Or Twa Kep. Tui, yeah, Tui. Is that how you say his name? Tui? Yeah. You know, the funny thing is, uh, David Kep and David Tui seem to release movies around the same time. And you Constantly, and I get them confused. It, it, like, it happened in 93, it happened in 94, 96. It, it, like, it kept happening over and over. I was like, who is who? <laughs> so this is, this is David Tui. <laughs> so, so the movie that he did before this, I believe, was Below. And, well, not just before it, but non-Pitch Black franchise. Right, non no, it went, it went Below, then it went Pitch Black 2, and yeah, then and it Went, this, went to the... Yeah, but I don't count the Chronicles of Riddick things. Those are like monsters unto themselves. You can't, I, I can't even equate them to each other. But I really like Below. Below is a fantastic film. Really solid construct. Even the behind the scenes footage of that movie is fascinating. But he does Perfect Getaway, which is an incredible switcheroo movie. Like you said, the third act is actually when the switch is revealed. And then the rest of the movie is mostly a flashback. And it's this incredible reveal. But to get to this reveal, you're kind of none the wiser. Even if you remember it, you're, you remember that there's that switch like you did. Getting there wasn't a, a chore, was it? No, no. This is actually a really great movie. And I was, I was shocked at how good it was. And I'm looking at his filmography right now. And I'm like, I like all 
every single <laughs> last thing that he's worked on i like it's crazy Critters 2, Warlock, Grand Tour, Disaster in Time, The Fugitive, Terminal Velocity, Waterworld, The Arrival, G.I. Jane, Pitch Black, Imposter, Below, Chronicles of Riddick, Perfect Getaway, and then Riddick. He hasn't worked in a while, though. Oh, that's a little concerning. He's a guy who I feel like should be constantly working. Yeah, he's he's solid when he's on. Like, he's so good. And this movie was, I think, really, it's the most satisfying. Now, let's talk about the cast. Oh, okay. Steve, so, who do we got here? We got... Steve Zahn, Mila Jovovich. Those are the characters that we're following. This is when they're really pushing Mila as a lead. Like, really trying hard. And most of the time, it was a failure. But this one, it works. And she's great yeah, really in it. Yeah, really good. It's so much better than when she does something that's explicitly genre like you know what's that terrible Resident vampire Evil blood one or yeah ultraviolet yeah terrible Good God. Uh, uh yeah she's she's awesome i like her i like it when she does action stuff fifth element is great it's a favorite but uh here here she's she's a nuanced character it's very very interesting now i do not want to give away too much of the, the plot yeah. the twist but there are two characters that have been on a sort of murder spree they rob somebody and murder them and they're on the island hawaiian island and they're skipping around on the island so we're following Steve Zahn and Mila Jovovich, who seem very, very concerned about this fact. And everybody they come upon seems to be couples. So you have Timothy Oliphant and Kylie Sanchez. They meet them, and Kylie Sanchez is a knockout. Visually or as an actress? Uh, both. She awesome can both. she can do both. She was in Lost for a bit, and then they killed her in Lost. Like, like why? How do you? How can an actress just like not feel terrible when someone's like? Oh, everybody hates your character. We're killing you off next week. Like, way ahead of you what we planned on You didn't have room to grow. Yeah, right. What are you talking about hates your character? No, they That's did. Stupid. They despised her character. I, I don't know. I don't know why. But, yeah, she's, she's very visually and aesthetically pleasing. But she's also, like... Her characters, it's its dope. It's really good what happens. And then you have Chris Hemsworth and Marley Shelton are two other characters who seem like they actually might be killers. And are they? Maybe? Perhaps? I'm not going to tell you. It, or it's Timothy Oliphant who keeps on talking up his story about being, you know, ex-Special Forces or whatever. Right. And plus, and, Timothy Oliphant's kind of known as being a villainous character because I think he had just come off the fourth Die Hard. Oh, right. And, you know, previously Scream 2 right, right. as well. But here... Steve Zahn is also playing a screenwriter, so they keep talking about, like, oh, maybe... And which I actually like that, the discourse between him and Timothy, where they're like, maybe you can write a story about my life type of thing. And in real life, do you ever come across people that you might know who learn that you do a thing, and then they try to talk you into doing something? I themselves? fear when people find out I have a podcast, and they're like, let's do an episode. I'm like, I don't know you. What do you sound like? I mean, I, I sound terrible, but there was a friend who really wanted to do an episode, but I knew he had an insane stutter, like a uh. crippling level stutter. Nicest guy on the planet, but it just, and, and he recorded an episode and then we heard it and I was like, oh no, 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 I'm sorry. I, I feel like a prick, but no, there's no way this can ever air. Uh. I know. Yeah, I, know. I get that. I, I, the the thing that I would get is like, oh, you you do art. Oh, you you do. Oh, what, what do you do? Oh, you do logos. No, that's like the last thing I do. I do other stuff than logos. Logos, I just list. I, that's the last. And they're like, oh, I've got a side business that you want to do logo or whatever. Yeah. So this rings really true to me. Where Oliphant is 
Oh yeah, I well, you know, we were talking about Chad Law earlier, and every time I look at some of his posts, it always seems like there's that one dude. It's like, hey, we gotta hang out sometime and talk movie ideas, work on a script. I'm like, he has an agent and he has like legal representation. You can't just go like easily just throwing <laughs> script ideas around because next thing you know, you're sued. Yeah, so it feels like that, and it feels very true, and it also almost feels annoying. Yeah. And okay, and then the twist happens. And then the flashback that reveals and explains everything. How much they just really went with that. Instead of saying, like, here's a little glimpse. Here's a little glimpse. They just, here's another movie. Oh, yeah. It stops for a good chunk. And then the finale. The finale is so good. It's crazy. And in some of the makeup they do on it, the hand. Um, that's all I'm going to say. The hand. Ooh, barf. Yeah. Look, dude. They set everything up perfectly for that finale, too. This movie's great. It's called Perfect Getaway. It's like the perfect thriller. Yeah, from reality. It's just like, you want to escape for a while? This is a heck of an escape. It's so good. So all of these movies are fine. Yeah, which is unusual. One way or the other. We, we have one where we either disagree on or one's just a stinker and we didn't realize it at the time. <laughs> or we did realize and we needed some texture, but here we're all positive. This is good. You know, we don't need a vacation from this vacation either. No. So. But, you know, I thought maybe the next episode, maybe we'd go into the woods, you know, like a uh, man against nature or something like that. But uh, let's go in a completely different direction. Let's go into a world that doesn't even exist of fake sports movies. Movies they created their own little sport. Uh, they may be similar to something you already know, but the world they create is complete fiction. Yeah, fake sports. Fake sports will be our next episode, everybody. Good night. Good night. I'm the mighty beach house tiki god. Actual Hawaiian wood. I'm Robert Loja. Welcome to the jungle. Who is who? Criminals and crime.